0: And welcome to Unhinged History, the podcast where Teresa and Angie compulsively study history and random factoids that make us giggle or cringe, and we're both. And um, then we join forces once a week and we share them with each other and hope like hell that they are unique and novel and unknown to the other human. I'm Teresa. (laughs) I'm Angie. (laughs) I blew it. I totally blew it. (laughs) Uh, You know, we're not a professional podcast. There's no sponsored posts. HelloFresh does not want to like sponsor us. Like maybe
1: they do, and we just don't know it yet.
0: uh you know, every time I start to you know dial that number, they're like, "Please enjoy this 45 minute flute solo. Your call (laughs) is important (laughs) to us."
1: At least it's not the bounce chicka bounce hold music from the 80s.
0: If I ever get adult entertainment hold music, I will have additional questions. I'm gonna send you.
1: Um, I'm gonna send. You've heard it before. I guarantee you've heard it before. It is the most widely used hold music, and it it's literally like somebody in the '80s with a synthesized piano was like, "Make it hold music, but make it sexy." mm
0: hmm Do do do. Do, 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 do. I, I get it for
1: you i get it for you because it, okay. it makes your ears want to bleed uh but that's our whole music at work and every time somebody plays it somebody else comes in dancing like <laughs>
0: yeah. like feeling themselves like hey yeah i just ordered a pizza
1: <laughs> i am ready to buy I will vehicles
0: my delivery man
1: thank you doordash mm.
0: mm-hmm
1: I want you to know that my Facebook messenger has been recording this entire conversation and it's totally one-sided and I'm going to send it to you. (laughs) You jerk. That's what I purposefully stopped happening. Mine isn't actually, but that happened to me yesterday and it was an entire conversation with one of our friends at one of um, Ethan's trap meets and it was like 10 minutes of conversation. Yeah. I didn't send it to anybody. When I opened it back up, I was like, what is
0: this? this is bizarre
1: and we didn't say any of these things
0: was i on ambien (laughs) last night what is this what happened 10 minutes ago where have i been (laughs) well i i want to start by telling you happy 20th episode we're so old i know can you believe we've done this consistently for 20 episodes
1: i mean technically if you think about the lost episodes it's been even more
0: we don't mention those they are dead to us they are when we didn't have our shit worked out. Are we ever gonna have that worked out? No, God, we're I mean, really let's not. Be honest. let's, honestly, <laughs> like the minute that happens, it's the nail in the coffin. Yeah, it it's is over. The final it's no finale. Fun. Yeah, we're it's like, done. You, it's just I don't even make you laugh anymore, like
1: Teresa. I asked you to run away to Italy with me last night. Do you really think you'd ever stop making me laugh?
0: You know, you did you did ask me to to go to Italy. And you asked me to go. You sent that video asking me to go with you, like literally right after Hubs and I had a non-fight. Oh. And I was just like, Yes, let's go. You don't realize, (laughs) like, I don't even need to pack. I'll get my new stuff. It's fine. Yeah. I you know what? I don't brush my teeth as much as I tell my dentist I do anyhow.
1: (laughs) That's amazing information (laughs) i don't know
0: what i'm ever gonna do with
1: that but thank you i mean not here first
0: (laughs) not not true though um yes dr ambrose not not true (laughs) she's lying not true um no no but uh yeah no i don't know if you want to go first or if i want to go for or my story is 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 a story i'll tell you that much it's it's not necessarily like there are like a lot of like, whoa, what, whoa, it like it, but it's a a full rounded story. It's not a big bummer. I'm not gonna muck you up like I did last week.
1: (laughs) I don't have snack this week. I left it in the other room because of you.
0: Good. I mean, I don't (laughs) ask
1: for much just for your inability to ever consume food again. That lasted approximately 12 minutes.
0: You say that, but having edited that episode, It was a good, like, I lasted 12 minutes before you caught me snacking. Well, I'd
1: only lasted 12 minutes for you because I was up next and so therefore could not go snack. Fair. You know, like, I was still thinking about snack. And, like, how many cheeses can I fit in my mouth right now and chew without her seeing or hearing rather, not so much seeing because you definitely see it, but whether or not you would hear it. Right. Right, exactly. That's exactly. It. She's making squirrel face for the players at home. Um that's what I was thinking, but then I had to tell my story and I came out and I looked at the husband and I was like, "Do you remember that time we read about the guy that ate stuff? It's so much worse." I got to go make dinner. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. He'd already read about it? He remember he had he had sent me like years ago. Well, not years ago. A while ago he sent me an article about like 10 weird people in history and i i think he was one of them because remember i was like this guy's name sounds familiar but i can't place why i think the article mentioned him but like did not tell his story at all so like every new piece of information you were giving me was like that's not what i read (laughs) yeah that that means i i read that he was like a sideshow worker that ate like uh like like nails like building nails and screws I mean, not, not
0: wrong but not hyper children. focused in his early years
1: yeah you know what here's the thing that's not the story i read but it did not stop me from going out to say hey remember that guy that we learned about the eight like shoes um it's worse it's so much worse yeah. it's it's undeniably worse but i'm gonna go make dinner now
0: and i did well my mine isn't near that
1: bad Okay, so this is what I'm going to say. Your story says it is well-rounded and that and has a beginning and a middle and an end and you know where they all place. Yeah.
0: Can you go first? Okay, I mean, shoot, that's a low barrier to entry.
1: Maybe um, <laughs> I mean, because like I could go first, but I'm going to muck this thing up from the beginning to the end, but I have to tell you this story.
0: Okay, well, um, after I go, I'll go make myself a stiff drink and I will return <laughs> for your story. Thanks. All right, all. So, you know what i can okay so i'm gonna go on a limb and i'm gonna say that you have never heard of shelly bauman what's the last name bauman b-a-u-m-a-n bauman i don't think so
1: okay not off the name couldn't tell you off the name all right i hope it's is she a pirate please be a pirate
0: no but funny you said pirate (laughs) um because it's a very piratey name okay well uh but stay tuned because my my sources are KickSap Daily News, Shelly's Left Leg. Okay, so Shelly, so KickSap Daily News has an article called Shelly's Left Leg, and the subheader is the founder of Seattle's first openly gay bar spent the last eight years of her wild tragic life in Bremerton by Lizzie Burton, Lindsay Burton. and then out history, Queen City comes out Exploring Seattle's Lesbian and Gay History by the Northwest Lesbian and Gay History Museum Project, an article on historylink.org, Shelley Bauman suffers grave injuries at a Bastille day mishap in Seattle's Pioneer Square on July 14th, 1970 by Rosette Royale. And the Seattle Star has one titled November 13th, 1973, Shelley's Leg by Jeff Stevens.
1: I hope her leg is hollow. Hold, please. <laughs> Put on your old music. Doo-doo,
0: doo-doo. Doo-doo. Okay, so background. <laughs> um, born in Illinois on July 23rd, 1947, she grew up in Chicago where she studied classical dance as a young girl. After her family moved to Florida, her innocence shattered at the age of 16 when her father killed himself. Her mother mm-hmm. then told her that that man was not her actual father, and then kicked her out of the house forever. Wow, that's a lot. That's that's a lot to unpack.
1: Like, that is guaranteed a day right
0: there. Yeah, that is that is your your therapist's brand new car because you will end up paying. Maybe for that his house thing. in the
1: Hamptons. Even correct.
0: Yep. So she did what many do in this situation. She found herself working as an exotic dancer. In Chicago, Hawaii, Miami, and Fort Myers, Florida. And then she goes to Seattle in the winter of nineteen sixty-eight and is taken in by a family living in Rainier Valley. So after moving into Rainier Valley, Bauman met two people, uh, Joe McGonagall and Pat Nesser, who were two gay men. Hold up, did you just say McGonagall? I did. I uh... knew you were gonna stop there. I, I I tried to go right past it, but <laughs> I <laughs> You know me too well. I did. I need you to know know the
1: visuals I have now. Thank you for that.
0: Okay, but Joe McGonagall, not Professor, is a gay man who lives with another gay man and invites Shelley to live with them. They live in a large house in the central area with several other gay men. This house was known as the Village May and was a magnet for the local gay party crowd. Bauman moved in right after meeting McGonagall and Nessar. Crucially, mcgonigal was the co-owner of a place called the Gor- the golden horseshoe a pioneer square gay bar located at 2nd street south that thrived during the 60s and where nesser once worked as a bartender okay so, okay you got all that in your brain yeah um july 14th 1970 seattle restauranteurs restaurateurs. uh, Julia and Francois Cussell hold a dinner party and a parade at Pioneer Square to celebrate Bastille Day, France's national holiday, a celebration that will culminate in a terrible accident that leaves onlooker Shelley Bauman gravely wounded. Mm. Eventually, well, I'm going to skip that line because actually I don't want you to know because it's... (laughs) I'm telling you the story, but you can't know. You're not going to know that part. Okay, so it's steel day and they take off. Did like... she eat a puppy? No. Okay. There's there's nothing. There's there's no puppy eating. I feel like now that I've tortured you, I have to start every episode by saying, nobody <laughs> eats a kitten. No <laughs> babies are harmed. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. It's my fault. I did it to myself.
1: You bought my therapist's new car. Boy, did I. <laughs>
0: So the Kessels own this French grill called well the Brazil of Pittsburgh and the weather that day was ideal for the celebration. The daytime trip temperature topped out at about 84 and at dusk it had dipped into the 60s and the Kessels held their dinner party on the top floor of the iconic parking garage called the Sinking Ship and it's that it's nicknamed that way because the triangular structure appears to be jutting out of the ground like a boat that's doomed to succumb to the waves. Okay. From the garage, the parade for Bastille Day is, uh, is supposed to head south and then loop back through Pioneer Square and then return back toward the sinking ship. The parade's small and involves two cars and a pickup truck calling a Dixieland band. But to heighten interests, the Kessels contacted Morris Hart, who operated an antique shop on First Avenue. Hart also owned an antique fire engine, and the Kessels asked if he could include it in the parade. So hard obliged, and he decided to add another feature—an old cannon, which he attached to the fire truck. As, As you do, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's 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 realism, right? You know, every yeah. fire truck has a cannon.
1: Your fire trucks don't have cannons.
0: You got to fight fire with fire, cannon right. fire.
1: You know how we know this? Because the redondable,
0: the redoubtable, redoubtable. <laughs> the redoubtable. Oops you're fine you're fine it's good got it <laughs> you can but edit that part out nope it's or so it's, keep it you know, okay so it's funny you it. bring up santa Ana. so hold <laughs> that thought so hart had had some experience with this cannon he'd incorporated it to other festivities such as the fourth of july parades and during past events the cannon had been loaded with paper confetti so when the cannons ignited the confetti would spray out from the bore, which is that long barrel apparently it's a bore i mean that checks yeah the, the spectacle delights spectators so before the bastille day parade begins hart and his son used a broom handle to pack two ounces of black powder and a wad of confetti paper into the barrel everything's set right so at about 11 p.m the parade begins and its projected parade route is short but it still drew a sizable crowd among the spectators was 22 year old Shelley bauman who moved from Florida and would later remark that there were people all over. Of particular interest of those in attendance was the cannon, and when the parade made a brief stop, a group of spectators climbed on top of the barrel. Over the course of the parade, however, revelers had poured their drinks down the cannon, congealing the confetti into a hard ball. People near Bauman were all laughing and saying, come on, get on, get on. And perhaps feeling the peer pressure, she clambered onto the cannon. She didn't stay long, because when the parade restarted, she slid off and folded back into the crowd. The fire truck hauling the cannon was an antique vehicle, and the parade began crawling back along the streets of Pioneer Square. Its pace allowed spectators to once again climb aboard the barrel. There, people gave in to the spirit of Bastille Day, and they drank and lit fireworks. At some point, the barrel begins to bob up and down. Whether it's due to the weight of the passengers and the movement or some malfunction, it's not not known. But, you know, at one point, it was pointing skyward, but now it's pointing directly at the crowd. Of course. Yeah. Carol Hart, whose husband owned the cannon, was among the spectators. When she and her son saw the barrel move, they sprung into action, yelling for people to get out of the way. Chaos ensued. Bauman believed she saw someone drop something bright into the cannon's bore. She found herself gazing into the cannon's barrel. Standing near Bauman was a friend who joined her at the parade, and Bauman told her friend they should move. It was too late. The cannon fired. Julia Kessel, the restauranteur who helped pan the parade, heard the cannon's blast Seeing Bauman collapse, she ran to her aid. Kessel checked Bauman's pulse. Bauman was alive, but barely, and Kessel screamed for an ambulance. Bauman lay sprawled on Occidental Street, where she was aware enough to know she'd been hurt, that her abdomen, in her abdomen, was a smoldering wad of paper, and she attempted to remove it, but was stopped by another parade attendee, a doctor, who had advised her that the paper was staunching the flow of blood. If she removed it, she would have died. The doctor then presses his hand into her open womb where he located a severed artery and he oh. clamped it shut with his fingers. That action mm. kept her alive long enough for the ambulance to arrive, and Bauman was rushed to Harborview Medical Center. Oh. All Just right. imagine how incredibly positioned that surgeon was to be like, hey, I'm here. No, 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 no. no. Keep your hands out of the open wound. No, 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 no. I'm i going to do it now. My turn. My turn. Ready? Ready? Deep breath. Okay. You're going to feel a pinch. You're going to feel a pinch. Okay.
1: Stay with me. God bless him because yeah.
0: So when she arrives at the ER, she's near death and surgeons determined that they must amputate her left leg to save her life. But consent from Bauman or a family member was needed. Bauman resisted and nobody knew how to reach her relatives. Instead, one of her roommates in Seattle, Joe McGonigal, arrives to the ER where he took charge. So I put the pen in her hand, he recalled, and I said, now sign your name. Bauman signed. Surgeons removed her leg and cut into her pelvic bone. Numerous operations followed. And it was a grueling recovery, which lasted nine months. And she would use a wheelchair for the rest of her life. After the release from the hospital, Bauman sought restitution, and she sued the Kessels, who threw the celebration, Morris Hart, who brought the cannon, and the city of Seattle, which she alleged provided police officers who paid no heed to the loaded weapon at the public. The case was settled hmm. out of court in 1973, and Bauman was awarded
1: $330,000. I'm sorry, I think I, I'm, I misplaced a person. The gay couple she lived with was not the Kessels, right?
0: No. No, they were the restaurateurs okay. who were throwing the dinner party on top of the parking garage. And right, it, okay. they were the ones that, like, you know, got the parade permits and all that kind of stuff.
1: Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. I, I got myself confused there real quick. Sorry. The,
0: the gay neighbors are the ones who showed up and were just like, hey, girl, we are going to hate this. this, but we're going to do it. You just we, yours like sign you to your live. Name. Yeah.
1: Okay, got it. I don't know why I thought their last name was Kessel, too.
0: That's fair. That's fair. So before the settlement, McGonagall, Bauman's roommate, the one who said, sign your name, he'd harbored a dream to open a disco in Seattle. Bauman decided to help. And she lent McGonagall and the business partner, Pat Nesser between 18 to $20,000. They bought a place that was called our old, or they bought the old, our home hotel on South Main Street, not far from where Bauman was struck by the cannon and aided by friends. McGonagall and Nestor transformed this place into a glitzy disco, multicolored plexiglass, a dance floor, and a disco jockey booth. Disco jo- A disc jockey booth.
1: I like disco jockey. That's their name now. Disco, yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, a little man
0: kind of in the the little, like, yep. sp- poofy shorts that you would see on a, on a horse and the helmet yep. and the rider crop. But, and he
1: is actually sitting on the horse while he spins the records.
0: I mean, yeah, this checks. Yeah, so this ends up being the very first disc jockey in Seattle. Like, there's just oh. it's never happened before. And to honor Bauman, the disco was named Shelly's Leg, and the venue <laughs> opened December fourteenth, nineteen seventy three, and it had awesome a, a prominent sign that informed patrons that quote. Shelly's Leg is a GAY BAR, all caps, provided for Seattle's gay community and their guests. Shelly's Leg became an instant success. Seattle's first disco was born. The Leg was the first disco, gay or straight, in Seattle. Huh.
1: You learn something new every day. I don't know why I figured Seattle would have already been on top of this. You know,
0: it's 73. Things are just starting. No, I guess that's true. You know? Okay. It featured 1940s lounge decor, including fake palms, neon lights, and was hugely popular with lines that stretched around the block. In fact, the mostly gay in crowd often had to go through a special interest at the back where names were listed in a Rolodex. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, that is so neat to know that existed. Co-owner and namesake Shelly Bauman, talked about the disco's popularity in the 1976 seattle's times article by eric Lactus, where shelley says straight discos don't have the capacity or the sensibility to put together something like this we've been crowded the past nine months every night at about 9:30 p.m it's like three greyhound buses full of people descend on us the word is just out and this is the place to come and dance it's gotten to the point where you can't tell who's straight and who's gay
1: that are all just having fun.
0: That you know, as it should be. Mm-hmm. The dance hall marked a turning point at a time when gays and lesbians began to organize, and the city begun not just to accept but to embrace the gay population. Because of a disco, that's all it took—just some place to hang <laughs> out, have a
1: couple of drinks. You know, weird,
0: weird. Shelley's leg brought a glamor to Seattle that was rare for the infamously repressed city. John Ode Otto, a Shelly's Leg regular, recalled that the venue's unique character in a September 2014 City Arts Magazine interview where he discussed the associated glamor, comparing it to other cities' nightlife scenes quote, it was a different sort of glamour because Seattle had this earthiness, this grittiness, this subliminal nature that places like Los Angeles never had. Los Angeles had a dark underbelly, but it's a bright, shiny, superficial place. Seattle gets deep. So even though glamour is what we strive for, there was also a depth to it as well.
1: Hmm, I like that.
0: That was really neat, you know? And so Shelley's leg is massively popular. And even though it had- (laughs) totally when
1: you said that i just totally had this image of her like having to take her leg off so everybody can hold it i, I just like yeah over Not their head a like a tuscan raider with or a... anything But they're like yeah yeah, yeah. this is my yeah. friend the leg
0: <laughs> come on we're gonna go hang out at the leg it'll be good let's do it so Sorry. even though it was it was incredibly awesome and massively popular it was destroyed Kind of very similar to how it ended up making its way into the world. (laughs) On December 4th, 1975, at approximately 1 a.m., an oil tanker was driving along the Alaskan Way viaduct, which is directly above the club. When the tanker collided into a guardrail, unhitching the 4,800-gallon trailer, and then exploded, pouring fiery gasoline onto passing a freight train below... And onto more than 30 cars parked in front of Shelly's leg, shattering the glass front window and torching the front of the club, including the DJ booth and turntables. Oh, dang. So it's,
1: yeah. No, no bueno.
0: No yeah, bueno.
1: That's muy no bueno.
0: Miraculously, no one's injured. Oh, well, that's good. Bauman, McGonagall, and Nessa are able to renovate the club using insurance money. Nevertheless, the club's popularity was permanently damaged by the incident, which checks. You don't want to go to a place where something like that could happen.
1: Yeah, that's
0: that's fair. Ultimately, the club's final demise was caused by a financial dispute among the three co-proprietors that led to the club being padlocked by the IRS and Shelly's leg thus abruptly closed sometime circa 1979 just when disco music and culture had finally achieved national mainstream popularity
1: oh that's so sad they could have been such a beacon
0: i mean and technically they were
1: yeah i mean i guess that's true they were the first
0: they were yeah and they just nailed it out of the park and the the bar's four-year run showed how one person and one of her limbs can change history without even trying by like accident yeah So kind of to bring it home, you know, Bauman died at her home in Bremerton, Washington, November 18th at, I think she lived until 2010. I I didn't put the year in there because that would have been helpful at the age (laughs) of 63 from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease after a nomadic life of dancing and partying. Though Northwest baby boomers remember her as the disco owner in Pioneer Square, sometimes stopped and recognized her at Bremerton grocery stores. Friends describe her life as tragic, filled with drinking drugs and health problems and cared for her at her Bremerton duplex for the last eight years of her life. And one of those men was 64 year old Monty Levine. And one of the things said about her, is she never let, I know, isn't that Monty Levine? Like, Ooh, she never let her limitations get in her way of a good time. Like, and this, this next bit cracked me up. Because this I was like, wait a minute, is she gay or straight? Like this doesn't seem like the actions of a of a of a gay woman or a lesbian woman. Cause she is quoted in saying or saying that she loved the lush images of the musical Moulin Rouge and was known for pausing movies on any close-up of Val Kilmer. <laughs>
1: Thank you for that. It yep. couldn't have been better. <laughs> nope. I'm gonna say she you know hey you know maybe maybe she was both you know she had a soft spot for Val Kilmer but she liked the ladies or maybe she was like look a dollar's a dollar but I love Val Kilmer
0: I mean honestly I think the truth is she was just the best ally in the world Uh, yeah I mean live your life man she was known for having a penchant for fancy shoes even though she only had one leg (laughs) as you do I only need one Right, like, just sell me the right one, please and thank you. Yeah, it's
1: only one. Someone else only needs the left one. Right. Yeah, I got it.
0: She's a notorious party girl, keeping her friends awake at night and kicking anyone who got in the way of her in her wheelchair. And I can respect that.
1: Yes. I'm just trying to get my tomatoes.
0: Okay? Yeah, like, just get get out, get out of my way. Friends said that the red-haired, green-eyed woman who fancied herself a Bette Davis look-alike couldn't have been any other way. While Shelley's Lake was open, Bauman lived on Bainbridge Island and then Seattle, but then moved to Hawaii after the bar closed, which I can respect.
1: hmm I mean, six months of rain to Hawaii seems... I, I, rain's my favorite, but I also love Hawaii.
0: And it rains know, there every day, you know? I'm okay with that. Yeah. So while she's in Hawaii, she met a man from Fort Meyer, and So She moved back to Florida with him and got married. The couple later divorced. Blame. And she lived in Fort Myer until t- 2002. Bauman continued drinking. And when she did, she'd call her acquaintance Levine, you know, Monty Levine in Bremerton, drunk at three or 4 a.m. and asked for help in relocating. And then tr- Hurricane Charlie hits in 2002. And she was on the first plane to Seattle and moved in with Levine and his partner Mark at their house on Wyckoff Avenue. Eventually she moves into the duplex next door. Bauman talked of moving to Seattle, but Levine told her that she wouldn't live much longer due to her declining health. And she shouldn't get into sucked into the partying there. And that's Uh when Levine says he's never met someone so afraid of dying. And Levine worked with AIDS patients and he thinks it's probably fear that kept her in Bremerton.
1: Wow. I just don't see I don't pay her as some Oh man, I can't believe I just said that.
0: You know, you made fine. a like, you're fine. joke. <laughs> you didn't mean to. It wasn't intentional. I'm not oh. even going to acknowledge it. I'm going to keep going. Thank you. Yeah, that's all I can do. I'm not editing it out, but I'm not going <laughs> to I
1: I don't see based on what you said before that fear was something she had. But we're not but necessarily maybe that going like into like the one thing, I
0: guess. Well, but he he also said due to her declining health. So we don't know exactly what our med chart looked like. It could have just been, you know, one thing right after the other, multiple visits to the hospital. Like, I guess that's true. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot we're not hearing in these articles. As much as I could find, there was so much I couldn't. That's fair. That's fair. Bauman continues to drink. And even though she's in Bremerton. She goes to Seattle to hang out. One night, paramedics are called to the Bremerton Ferry Terminal, where she had fallen out of her wheelchair drunk on the ferry.
1: Oh, that's drunk. That is, that's, sitting down. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Bauman said she used drugs and alcohol as a social lubricant because she had very few friends. Okay. So, I mean, you know, girl, same. Same. Sometimes I just bring my dog as a social lubricant instead, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So for all of Shelly's bravado, Levine says, I think she's very timid inside. And I'm sure that the alcohol is one of the things that she used to help her be able to talk to other people. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm." And then things continue to get worse for her because in 2007, her duplex burns down and she takes another turn for the worse health wise. She'd been smoking and she forgot to remove her oxygen cannula. And the oxygen tube got wound up in her wheelchair and ended up catching on fire. Like the, the end of the oxygen hose sprouted flames. Dang. Okay. You're definitely not supposed to smoke while on oxygen. There's kind of a lot of science about that.
1: The kind of rules that are, yes yeah. say probably don't do that. Yeah, so we an,
0: see it. We see it. I know. And so a neighbor rescues her and she's flown to Harbor, Harborview Medical Center. And that, that was the was, original medical center, too, wasn't the it? The one that saved her leg. Yeah, well, it's yeah. A, it's a big hospital. Okay. Um. And and that's when her health declined truly rapidly, and it hit her that she is dying. But oh, even no. even despite all this, friends and neighbors still recall the happy memories. And despite the the gloom that Bauman felt in her last years, uh, Crystal Gresham, who was twenty one of Bremer Ten, was one of those who took care of her and considered her. A friend for the last two and a half years. It was a lot of fun, Gresham said. We had a lot of girl time together. Caring for Bauman was the first time Gresham had worked with elderly or disabled people, and her patient was a feisty one. <laughs> I think if she taught me anything, she taught me patience, Gresham said. Marty Ames, 52, lived with Bauman for a few months when they both moved into their Wyckoff Avenue duplex. Ames now lives in the unit neighboring Bauman's. She was a work of art, Ames said, recalling how nocturnal Bauman would never let him sleep at night.
1: (laughs) I love that.
0: Ah, I love your
1: friend too. I know,
0: I know. Uh, Brown said that even people who didn't know her remembered her bar fondly. At speaking engagements, people still recognize her name. A stranger who heard a radio interview that Brown gave on K-U-O-W sent him a coat check ticket that he'd kept for more than 30 years from shelly's leg
1: that's awesome
0: the sign that that hung in front of the bar is on permanent collection at seattle's museum of history and industry (laughs) that (laughs) is the story of shelly's leg the very first disco in seattle designed to serve the gay and lesbian community
1: i need to know how you came to the story
0: okay so i was on pinterest and (laughs) that is not where i thought this was gonna start okay (laughs) yeah you know okay so my pinterest um the algorithm is set very very steady i Mm -hmm. i need as is mine yeah um great embroidery uh, a couple solid recipes Mm -hmm. and then history memes same okay okay and there was a history meme that talked about how um, when Shelly Bauman lost her left leg in an accident, it just said in an accident, it didn't say a cannon ball of, con- <laughs> of hardened of uh, beer, hardened confetti, um, you know, but it just said lost her leg and then started the, the very first bar in Seattle. And I just went, must know more. Yeah. I just get, and I, I, I store a lot of these to, you know, like one of my, one of my boards and I'm going to need to set it to secret so that you don't see it. But I I, I
1: promise to not to a look because I also realized that I too have a board. <laughs> please. That don't is look. very
0: similar. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But that's how I found yeah. it, and I was just like, "Oh,
1: oh, oh! I love that." I've, and I'm. I'm sad I'm, we didn't get to meet her. Do you I a know. Uh, not one that I saved. But hold on,
0: hold, please. Because probably she... one of her
1: holding her leg up. I'd like that. No, <laughs> there isn't that. Okay that is exactly what I had in my mind of what this woman looked like after you said what she looked like.
0: Yeah. You know, long flowing red hair, green eyes. Definite firecracker. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a redhead I met. Oh, it's gotta be about 10, 15 years ago. And she was a friend of a coworker. And my friend later remarked and, you know, cause this girl was tall, right? So my friend is telling me, she goes, yeah, her favorite thing. Cause I was like, how tall is she? And she goes, well, her favorite thing to tell someone like typically a very attractive man, I'm six foot one laying on my back.
1: <laughs>
0: You're just like, "Woo,
1: get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is hilarious. I love that. <laughs> Does that make you six foot two standing up? I have questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, but if you're going to be tall and you're going to get that question, you're, you you know, chances are you've had time to work through a repertoire of responses.
1: For sure. This morning, someone said to me, I was standing next to two other people and um, there was a group of people behind us. And one of the ladies that I was standing next to looked at me and said, "Um, we're being talked about. And I turned like, what do they have to say? Like they're all friends. And she was yeah. like, I was just mentioning how two of the three of you. So it was me, the sweet lady, and her sweet husband. And she goes, I I was just mentioning to my friend over here how two of the three of you have very natural, beautiful gray hair. And the other one, and I was like, Excuse me, I wake up like this every single day. And literally <laughs> that entire group of people was like, You don't pay for that? Haven't in years. <laughs> like you know, if I- If I'm dying it, it's purple. This doesn't.
0: Yeah. To that. Okay. (laughs) I, I did a summer with gray hair. Yes. And did like, I tried my best and I won't ever do gray hair again. That is not blessed by God because of one person at the Costco gas line. I got out of the cars, fill up my, my gas tank. And I hear this woman look at me and go, excuse me, what color is your hair supposed to be?
1: Yeah, no, this is it. This is the color of my hair. So I made the joke that clearly the odd one out was the husband and he dyes his back color.
0: Mm. This,
1: you know, obviously the we're naturals. And then they were all like, wait, what? The amount of, I've literally had strangers like go through my hair to find my roots. Um, This is mine.
0: You know, <laughs> it's never okay for anybody to go through somebody else's hair for any reason.
1: Uh, typically not when you don't want them to touch your head.
0: <laughs> I mean, unless you say, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, lice. You know, no, it's they, like- they, they
1: were literally like, I was sitting at my desk working and this individual walked up to me, like not a complete stranger, but stranger enough, you know? And he, I, all of a sudden I feel like movement on my head and I'm like, what are you doing?
0: Absolutely not. Unless you just start hysterically screaming, like they've got fire fingertips.
1: I didn't have to because my coworker sitting next to me um, excused this individual from our office.
0: Okay, fair. Okay, I, I will accept like there was one time somebody went through my hair. They were very respectful about it. Um, I had wanted to cut my hair short and the my hairdresser said, the only way I'm cutting your hair short because you've had long hair for years is if you buy extensions and we dye extensions to match your hair so you can put them back. Okay, that's like, fair. I'm not cutting your hair until you, until you've got a replacement. Like, okay.
1: we need to make sure you like what we're doing.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so okay. I go to work on Tuesday or on Monday with hair at my shoulders. Tuesday, I walk in and I've got hair to my mid back. <laughs> like, and one Super of my fast. coworkers, yeah, incredibly vivacious, uh, very like very effusive woman comes in and she goes, Hol- hold, up. I am- Excuse me. <laughs> she goes, I am loving all of this. And she goes, may I go through your hair? I just want to see what we're working with here. Okay. That's fair. That's reasonable. Yeah. And and I'm yeah. like, okay. You know, cause she, she asked permission and it could also be that she's a black woman. So she knows how to approach somebody and touch their hair, like in the steps to go through. And the, like she taught me, these are the steps I want somebody to do with me, because this is how I'm approaching you. That's exactly like, how you do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. And she goes through and she goes, oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> clip on. Yeah. This makes sense. I was wondering, because yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looked different today. Couldn't quite place it. She's like, it's not a full, it's not a wig. Like, What are we playing with? And so I was like, I could respect that.
1: Well, And you got to share at that point. You got to share at that point. Right?
0: Especially if you know that you guys are both lovers of the hair. Both real, yeah. not yours, but still real. Maybe not real at all. Fun hair.
1: We're here where we are in love we're with hair. We're here for the fun hair. Yeah. Yeah. Ian tells me on the regularly, I could never be with anybody that has better hair than me.
0: That's true. He could never be with anybody who has better hair than him or better hair than you. Me. Okay, perfect. I just want like, a confirmation because like, he's bald. The amount
1: of times we've watched something and I've been like, oh, that man has magnificent hair. And Ian waits like 30 seconds and then goes, you wouldn't last 10 minutes. He's got better hair than you.
0: <laughs> Ooh, okay, so we'll be someplace and Mike, also bald, will will be, you know, like, if my hair is down, I get the, oh, my gosh, I love mm-hmm. your hair. And he'll flip his head <laughs> magnificently side <laughs> yeah. to side and just go, thank
1: you. Thank you. spend hours brushing it every day. <laughs>
0: love them. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, I, good work, babe. You did
0: good. <laughs> yeah. You, you brushed your beard, you magnificent man. Excellent work, you beast. <laughs> yeah. I mean... To be fair, he has a special brush for his beard. He's got a special shampoo and conditioner for his beard. He has beard oil and supplements. You know, the little jade rollers that you use to uh, in, like rub ointments and yeah, oils yeah. and salves into your face or whatever. I don't yeah. own one. He, he owns does. one. And he massages the things into his face to encourage hair growth. Very fuller, more luscious spirit. You know what, don't answer it. You don't have no, to answer he that. He doesn't listen. No. No, it doesn't <laughs> work. But it gives him a hobby and he likes it.
1: Hey, I'll buy your beard oils for you, babe.
0: Yeah, you know, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. They all smell <laughs> very woodsy, you know. You smell nice. I'm not gonna complain.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate the work, the effort you're putting into this.
0: Yeah, I mean Great, that's yeah. that's what it is. He puts effort into it, you know, into his beard because he doesn't have long, luscious locks anywhere else, and I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I always tell Ian that I equate his facial hair with his ability to build me a house. (laughs) Like if we're strapped on a desert island, do your facial hair tells me which one of you is going to build the house for me?
0: That's probably why I spend so much time removing my facial hair. (laughs) Like you cannot trust me around these tools. I will saw my foot off. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I made another joke. You're just not. We,
0: okay. Stop me. <laughs> We're going to need to cut this episode because she <laughs> is just, I mean, you started the episode by going, is she a pirate?
1: <laughs> it's, she sounds like a pirate. Now I have to go find the pirate that has the same last name because she sounds like a pirate. You're okay. Hold on. I'm Googling it right now because I swear to you, there's a pirate called Shelly Bowman. There's a lot of really nice looking people named Shelly Bowman currently alive today. Oh, I have seen things. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. I'm thinking maybe her name was Mary Bowman. (laughs) These are things. Yeah.
0: So I just realized that this, I did take quite a bit of time in telling Shelly's story. Would you I be loved a, it? Would you be opposed to maybe you telling your story next week? Just so I,
1: honestly, I would love that so I could better organize my story <laughs> like that would make my day
0: that would make your day,
1: yeah, because I have my whole story, but I am just so unconfident about the order of operations
0: <laughs> girl that happens that happens. That's fine. And then I don't, know, give you time to- I don't know where to put the brackets. <laughs> <laughs> wait what wait sorry Go i was made a one? math
1: joke i said pimpos i don't know where to put the i don't know where to put the brackets right, i don't know where right. to put the parentheses <laughs> i've
0: been there typically it's i don't know what a pimp is and i feel like i really should oh it's a math it's the math like the order of
1: operations for math like parentheses oh uh, okay
0: see i know the order of operations we'll be, yeah. but i didn't know the acronym name
1: i'm just lame like that you know because for all the years that i have fought and say and stated out loud how much i hate math i actually do not tell my husband i said this love math
0: i have that same relationship and i learned that during my graduate statistics course yep where there was just I was like, there was, it's so clean. It's so elegant. Like, mm-hmm. I, I hate wrapping my brain around it, but then when I do, it's fantastic once it clicks.
1: Yes. yes. I, my last few math classes have been really fun, but my last math class was math for liberal arts students, which is basically like the history of math. And it was freaking amazing.
0: I was, that sounds like the worst history class ever.
1: It was so much fun. Like, the, my final project was math in ancient Egypt.
0: That could be neat.
1: Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool to see. So, like we talked from the very beginning, like the mathematics of South America and the quipu, and their different like numbering systems, and yeah. just like learning that we work in a base ten, but other civilizations don't
0: or didn't. Right.
1: I was like, wait, what? <laughs>
0: There was, okay, random math story. There was a math uh, class I took my undergraduate and we had a pop quiz and I walk in and we've been learning about different numbering systems. And the quiz was the entire number system from ancient China. And we needed to put it in in order just using rationale and logic to get there like and I finish like I look at it and I smile and I finish the quiz in about five minutes
1: okay show off <laughs> and
0: I walk up hand it to the professor and he looks at me and I went ancient Chinese numbering system is the same as modern day Japanese I win <laughs> and he's like oh uh? and I was like yeah th- this right here is your answer key And he looked at me and I just went, goodbye. Goodbye.
1: (laughs) I don't unfortunately have an amazing story like that. I just, I just secretly love math. Please don't tell my husband.
0: We just won't. (laughs) This will be the forgotten episode. He'll never hear (laughs) episode 20. It'll disappear into the ether like all of the other poor audio episodes where we record, listen to later, and I'm just swearing the entire time as it plays in the background.
1: And then occasionally you hear me going, can you even hear me? I don't feel like you can hear me.
0: Teresa, my (laughs) microphone normally has a green light and it's a red light.
1: Is that a problem? (laughs) No, it was, it normally is green. I can't figure out why it's not on, which still... Does not make sense, because that day I was like, babe, I experienced this weird thing and I feel like in a house full of tech-centered people, especially married to a sound man who this is their skill set, why is this not green? There's still no logical reason. Like, everything worked. It just didn't want it to be green that day. Also, I'm kind of colorblind, so it's possible the light was on the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Fair. Fair okay well, that.
0: well if you've enjoyed our 20 minutes of rambling about <laughs> math and how we should edit out all of the bad puns about uh, our ableism ways then join us i'm just the ableist sorry you know i keep choosing people who are are maimed and it could be because I'm recovering from a knee injury and I am subconsciously attracted to people with injured legs. <laughs> You're like
1: identifying with their their plight. You're like, I got you. <laughs> you know what? I
0: see your pain. I see it. I feel it. I'm with you.
1: <laughs> standing in solidarity while my friend over here is a complete standing, jackwad. Standing,
0: you jerk face. Me on my crutches. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You just can't you just can't help it and i am not okay, you're you're coming you off on the wrong foot
1: <laughs> okay you okay jerk. i am not even trying but i understand now that i very much have to think about the words that are coming out of my mouth in certain circumstances <laughs> before i offend somebody who legitimately has lost their leg oh my god
0: well get it out with me in a safe space Don't worry, I'll publish it to the internet. It'll be fine.
1: The internet is a safe, bully free space. Yeah.
0: More encompassing
1: and warmth. Yeah. The whole of the internet is not TikTok.
0: Shut your mouth. (laughs) Sorry. So, if you have enjoyed this conversation and you're thinking, I can't wait to hear what antics Angie brings.
1: especially i'm the
0: only problem it's me hi i'm the problem problem. it's me me. (laughs) so if you want even more badly sung taylor swift rate review subscribe hit us up we have an email you can reach out to us unhinged.historypod at gmail.com i promise you we are there we read every single message you send us and If you are calling us out for our ableism, we will correct it. We might even say it out loud. Are you channeling William Shatner right now? I wouldn't ever (laughs) channel William Shatner. Okay, so, okay, this is going to get cut, but there was a good chunk of time where there's a group of us on Twitter who have been having the same conversation thread for several years now. Okay. I love Someone at mentioned William Shatner. Now there's 35 of us in this active chat that are having (laughs) this conversation all day, every day. And William Shatner blocked a good chunk of us because he was tired of all of the mentions. Because you reply, yeah, I ate breakfast at this new shop. Like, check out these pancakes at William Shatner. (laughs) Oh, those look great. Yeah, that reminds me of the time we went there at William Shatner. Oh, but you should try. You should go to the comic book next door. Like that shop That's is great. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, I love knowing that. I'm going to add William Shatner for everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, on that note, goodbye. Goodbye.